BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by Jason Weingarten. You guys might know him better as at Spreadopedia, longtime sports better, uh, very common around the industry on a bunch of shows, and uh, he tells you guys where to check out all of his appearances at the end of the program. And uh, had Jason on to discuss the biggest thing that's happening in the sports world, which is the merger between the Live Golf Tour and the PGA Tour. Uh, Obviously, this broke, you know, less than five hours ago as of the time of recording. So we were learning a lot of the details. Things are going to continue to evolve and change. But this is just sort of our gut reaction, talking through all the various possibilities and scenarios that have resulted as a result of this merger. Uh, If you guys like the program, please feel free to subscribe to the Patreon for $5 a month. You can support the show and get bonus episodes. Uh, And uh, if you like it, you know, just go ahead and tell a friend about the program or leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, welcoming for the first time to the program, Jason Weingarten. You might know him better as at Spreadopedia, your, your neighborhood uh sharp sports better frank on all things uh live golf and pga tour related and and gambling twitter related as well honestly jason i have such a low tolerance for people from sports betting twitter i i find gambling twitter to be uh not a fun place to hang out but i've always enjoyed your content and you are on the program today we're going to talk about something near and dear to both of our hearts professional golf because we just had a, a seismic shift in the world of professional golf today. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw this coming. I, I certainly did not expect this to be happening this morning, but I guess uh, Liv and PGA have decided that that continuously battling each other is not good for business, and they've made a deal, so here we are. They made a deal. My immediate gut reaction, obviously, when I saw it for the first time, is can't be real. Can't be, you know, uh, Jay Monahan and Rory and and Rom and all these guys. They've been so anti this. I mean, clearly, uh, maybe not everyone, but a lot of the guys gave up a ton of money, whether they wanted to to be on the front line making moral stances or not. I mean, even the Ricky Fowlers of the world, I'm sure, gave up millions and millions of dollars in what uh, the Saudi uh, private investment fund would have offered them to join the live tour. And uh, there was no leaks 
There was this was not rumored. I, I I saw the no laying up guys, you know, posit this. Like, how many people could have even known about this before it got across the finish line? Like, got to be less than ten. Got to be less than ten. You know, I I just wonder, and and this is all from just reading Twitter and seeing seeing stuff coming out this morning. But Phil Phil's drunk tweets this weekend saying he's almost a billionaire was. Was that a tip off that something was going on? Um, was Rory in the dark this week, this last weekend? I, I'd like to know that. I don't know one way or the other. I'd, I'm curious if he was. That would maybe explain. Well, he's been real play. cranky. Rory's been super cranky for like the last yes, two weeks. He's been, been very cranky the last couple of weeks. I've noticed that too. He's he skipped the event. He's yeah. He's been you know a little, a little more uh, you know standoffish with the media. Uh, I I. I I'd be surprised if some of the bigger guys didn't know something was happening, but you know, there's still a lot coming out. We don't even know the terms. We don't know if it's going to be. We're, we're, this is, if you're listening to this, so we're recording this right now, 1230 central time on Tuesday, June 6th. So if you're listening to this in a week, if you're listening to this in a month, you're going to know a lot of things about this that we don't know right now. Um, I mean, from a very high level, this was sort of, Something like this was inevitable because the Saudis just have more money than the PGA Tour has, right? I mean, that that is the bottom line to me. And when you, you fight a corporate war, the side that can sustain an infinite amount of losses, which the Live Golf Tour could have, they could have paid all of these guys billions, literally, paid for TV rights that no one ever saw, no one ever watches, no one ever cares, These team, this team concept that the Saudis seem obsessed with that I don't really get. It just doesn't matter. My, this is my current um, tinfoil hat. The PGA tour and the sponsors signed up for all this elevated event stuff. We're like, okay, we're going to give you guys all this PIP money. And they, they basically did some fact finding and they were like, we're going to run out of money and we're not going to be able to pay everyone. And I think that accelerated it. What are your thoughts on that? Definitely financial is the most likely reason behind all of this. You know, you get into the weeds with conspiracy stuff and it's, it's all going to kind of be fun and interesting. But the reality is, like you said, the Saudis have more money and this was essentially what they wanted all along was to be a minority partner in PGA. And when the PGA kind of said, no, that's not happening. They said, well, then we'll just do our own tour and take your players. And now we're back to, to square one in a sense. So you know, like you said, still a lot of stuff to, to kind of be sorted out and get, getting more details. But but just the initial reaction is is kind of shocking, especially with where the PGA was a year ago. Um, but also the, the lawsuits and litigation most likely just came down to discovery and no one wanting to open their books to the other side. And going through all the, the discovery process tends to force settlements more often than not. So why well, sort of forgot I'd sort of forgotten about the antitrust lawsuits and all of that that were going on. Um, I mean, it did seem, I remember the original reporting made it seem not great for not the live tour itself, but for the guys who were signing up on the live tour. Like I remember one of the things was the judge being like startled at how strict the contracts were. Like, I, do you remember this was before Brooks ended up winning uh, the major a couple weeks ago? There were rumors that he wanted to come back you know, that he was basically like sick of the live and wanted to play, you know, real golf and stuff again. 
but I, I just remember thinking like, well, that's never going to happen. These guys are never like, these guys are not getting out of these live golf contracts. And I mean, again, speaking of things, we don't know, we, we don't know who's signing what contracts now, right? Because the PGA tour golfers are independent contractors. Live golfers were not independent contractors. Well, what, what happens now? Are you an employee of the PGA tour now? Like who knows? And the team staff, team equity, you know, a lot of these guys were promised equity in their team and they're trying to push the team stuff at live. And there's just a lot of, a lot of stuff up in the air. And this is actually a three-way merger with the, the Dubai world tour as well. So it's, it's kind of making, you know, it's putting everything under one umbrella, which is interesting in itself. And I assume there's some, you know, the, the live, live had a, had a deal with the Asian tour. So I'm assuming that's kind of being brought in as well. It's kind of making, but you know, tour golf, one major monopoly, which, you know, is going to have implications going forward as well. Um, but yeah, so much stuff. I mean, there's the actual, you know, the funny sort of Twitter commentary, but then there's like the technical details and the financial details. And then there's just the organizational details. Like Jay Moynihan just basically sold out his members and cost them a ton of money. You know, I can't imagine there's a meeting about to start in the next half hour or so in, uh, in Canada at the, the, the Canadian open. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to be in there right now because there, there's going to be some very, very angry and confused tour members today who are, you know, upset at themselves, upset at their agents, upset at the commissioner. I mean, a lot of people blindsided today. Well, the, I, from a, from a, from a player level perspective, that's got to be the most annoying thing, which is that if you were, let's, let's not even say if you're Wes Bryan, right. I don't know the 214th player in the world, theoretically you could have been Henny Duplice. You could have, you could have been the guy who right when Lib was first starting and Cameron Smith and all these guys hadn't jumped ship yet. You could have gotten a free $30 million basically. And for whatever reason, whether it be because Jay Monahan told you not to, your agent told you not to, or it just didn't work out there. There are definitely lower level to a players who are in this bucket. And my guess is they don't see a dime, man. They don't see, no, they're not, they're gonna not going to see anything. That's the thing about deals. When you pass up on deals, you don't just, you know, you don't get a piece of it later on. You, you live with what you passed up on. And it, it, a lot of guys are going to be frustrated. And a lot of guys I'm sure had very, very lucrative numbers. You mentioned some of the, the lower tier guys that probably passed up, you know, a lot of money into them, you know, a million dollars, $5 million is, is life-changing money when you're grinding, you know, and you're a low level grinder on a, in a professional league. So a lot of the bigger guys, you know, Colin Morikawa passed up a ton of money. You said Ricky Fowler. I heard $75 million was what he passed up. That's insane money. You know, like that's literally insane money to pass up to, to not just play golf, but to play less golf, to play golf 14 weeks a year and travel in first class around the world while doing it. You know, it, it sounds fun to me. I mean, I've watched more live golf than most people and, most of the events have been fine and they're not like necessarily life-changing courses, but you know, they were enjoyable. It, it was a decent product. I think, I think a lot of people kind of rail on the product a little too much and forget that, you know, you're watching Dustin Johnson play golf. It's not exactly the worst thing in the world. I mean, the product was not, I just was not interesting to me at all. Honestly, I, I one most of my favorite golfers still remained on the PGA tour. So there wasn't, like a ton of reason. Like I, I really liked Brooks before his heel turn. Maybe that's, maybe that's just like the hipster in myself that I can't 
quite kill. But I, uh, uh, Bryson actually was honestly the guy I missed on the PGA Tour the most, not because I think he's like this great dude, but golf sort of needs a heel. That that really was the the thing that the product was missing was, you know, Patrick Reed and Bryson and Brooks, these guys who are willing to kind of take some bad media coverage just to get media coverage, period, that the tour didn't really have guys like that. And I, I think they missed. But my sticking point, I mean, I am certainly no fan of Saudi Arabia, but also acknowledge like uh billion dollar companies in general, like probably commit crimes to acquire billions of dollars. Like Boeing and Raytheon sponsor PGA tour events and then sell weapons to the Saudis. So I think that this idea of Jay Monahan and uh, the PGA tour sponsors being these, these uh, gallant, uh, you know, King Arthurian knights who are, who are protecting morality and, and good and fighting evil is, is way overdone. Very, very, very overdone. But golf as a product was suffering and would have continued to suffer to like an unbelievable degree with two fracture tours. The the weekly product would have been worse. So for that my, reason, go ahead. My thought, I mean, I like golf and I like golf betting. Like I like watching golf. I enjoy it. I watch more golf than most people. I watch, I'll watch the senior tour. I'll watch the LPGA, you know, sure, if I have money on it. I'll watch whatever's, whatever's on. I was watching the, the European open at five in the morning on, on Sunday morning. Cause they had money on it. I like, you know, I like watching golf wherever it is. I like betting on golf. So when, when live came around for me, it, it just meant another tour to bet on more odds. And, you know, I'll remember live fondly cause I won one big bet. I won Eugenio Lopez Chikara in Thailand. I think it was in October. He was like hundred to one, 150 to one big, big number, you know, I don't care if I hit 150 to one on live or PGA or Corden Ferry or the outlaw tour. So winner is a winner. So, you know, I appreciate the fact that live gave us more tournaments to bet on and in different locations and different time zones. So we get more golf, you know, I'm always pro more golf, more baseball, more betting, you know, more opportunities, more markets, but you're right. Product. It wasn't, wasn't great. It, it there were it, some it, things it hurt the PGA tour product too. I think that's a key it did. point is the PGA tour product was shittier too. It did. It really, really did hurt the fields and hurt a lot of the competition. Um, but, but what I thought was interesting and I, I wonder if it had any impact, I don't know if it did one way or the other, but the, the live golfers showing up at the masters and the PGA championship and performing well, you know, not just Brooks being in contention and, and then winning, but Phil Mickelson getting second place at the Masters, I mean, counts for something. You know, I mean, that, that's pretty impressive at his and, age. And Bryson turned into a, a like, he, he, I don't know if he was injured the whole time or whatever, but Bryson making a run, like, I, I, it, like, Bryson is, is so, is such good TV when he's playing. Did well. you notice the Masters coverage when they, like, would not talk about Brooks when he was, he's like tied for the lead on Saturday? You know, he should be the featured player. And they Phil they're, too. Yeah, they're basically ignoring him. You know. Yeah. And that was that was an edict. I'm I'm positive. And then by by the PGA championship, it had softened up a little bit because they couldn't avoid it. You know, they tried to avoid it, but it became unavoidable. And I think going forward, especially with Brooks winning, you can't have the live golfers showing up at the majors. You know, it it just it's it, embarrassing. It created, it created a bad situation. And 
they needed they, they needed to do this and it accelerated what was eventually going to happen you know sooner or later so i i think everyone kind of figured there was going to be a merger at some point but nobody expected you know june 6 2023 is the merger date i i don't know if i expected a merger i think sort of what i expected would have been the live guys were just allowed to come back and play yeah exactly that point. yeah this keep playing live and play PGA essentially, which still might the, happen. We don't know what's structure wise. Well, we, I mean, they, as, as terms of this deal, Jay Monahan got a demotion and the, the guy who was the chairman, the guy who was the chairman of the, uh, of the PIF is now the commissioner of the PGA tour. Like Jay Monahan got tucked in, in this. Yeah. Um, he just, which is, you know, I think had the PGA Tour been more honest and less, because sort of what it feels like to me is that the PGA Tour uh, used this sort of jingoistic logic to get people to be against the Live Tour and be against Saudi Arabia. And it took on these political overtones that really are undeserved, right? Because w- what happened is you get these, these uh, well-meaning left-leaning folks who were like yeah saudi arabia has got this horrible human rights and civil rights track record which is true and then you get the you get the mega trump people who were like you know fuck your feelings we we love live golf it's it's great you know just i mean exacerbating the culture wars in a way to to manipulate people but but jay monahan used this as a way to keep from having to shill out more money you know it's really what it came down he literally invoked 9-11 to tell the players they shouldn't sign up for live because they have to look 9-11 families in the face and, and take, you know, like the, the audacity of him to say something like that and then do this merger a year later. I don't know how anybody could take a person like that seriously. I mean, it's 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 insulting. It should be insulting to the members to, to have have not been able to see through that. I'm I, I, I'm in some ways sort of shocked, but also not that, you know, this is how the business world operates and. I mean, I, I'm still, like I said, I still, I, I want to know more. I have so many questions. Like one of them, for example, like I said, just technical questions is the PGA has been very against the Saudi international event, even though a lot of PGA players take large appearance fees to play in that event. It's, it's not a sanctioned event is, is the Saudi international or an, an event in Saudi Arabia going to be a, a focal point on a new, you know, co-managed tour because I would assume they gave the Saudis some major concessions here. You know, I'd, I'd assume a, an, a, at least one event a year in Saudi Arabia with, with the, the way, top players the way is, I read is likely. It, the way I read it is that the, the PIF, the Private Investment Fund, which is, last I read, $1.6 trillion, roughly. Um, trillion with a T. Essentially infinite money. Essentially infinite money. The way I read it is that that is now the primary presenting sponsor of the PGA Tour, the PIF is, which my guess means they want to play the FedEx Championship or whatever in Saudi Arabia, they're going to, right? Just whatever they want it is. I don't know what it is that they'll want, but I think whatever the Saudis want, they're going to get now. And there's also the broader implication that this is the first major toehold into you know, North American sports. Although I guess you could look at some of the other stuff the Saudis have kind of invested in and, you know, European soccer, uh, F1, 
uh what's oh wwe you know they have a lot of money in the wwe and bring them over ufc does a lot of events there you know they're i think they're they're pretty pretty big involved with the, the ufc actually and the endeavor deal and everything but their goal has always been essentially to diversify out of oil into other stuff you could look they've done deals with japanese video game companies they've done all sorts of stuff you have no idea what some of your favorite brands are owned five ten percent by the saudis you know Capcom, for example, that makes Street Fighter, it's 5% owned by the Saudis. Just you, you would have no idea because most people never look at what you know Saudi investment funds own, but they've they've diversified so much into other you know video games. Um, they own a big uh, European video game company. Um, recently that was a big deal too. Um, you know, sports teams is a big thing, real estate. Um, but this gives them a toehold you know, into North American sports and the PGA tour has basically rolled out the red carpet for them at this point. You don't think there's an NFL owner that'd be happy to take $10 billion to sell his franchise to the Saudis. You know, you don't think there's an NBA owner that wants a record price to sell, you know, a, a, an average mid-level team to the Saudis and let them deal with it. I mean, the implications for, you know, North American sports larger than the PGA. It's 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 massive with this deal. There's going to be a lot more Saudi money coming in. Um, this is just the the first wave. And I mean, I I think the unique thing about golf is that whatever money is involved, presenting sponsors, sponsorship, they're playing this in Dubai, they're playing it in Saudi Arabia, they're playing it in fucking New Zealand. It doesn't matter. The money can't actually ruin the thing we love about sports which is the uncertainty, the, un, the not knowing, the variance, right? That's it's, we're, we're addicted to the variance of professional sports. No amount of money can make Brooks win all four majors, right? And even if he did, even if he did, that would be incredible. It would be an incredible feat. But money does ruin team sports. Too much, too much, too many resources concentrated on one team. European soccer is, is a joke. You know, Manchester City wins the Premier League. Every year, they just won the FA Cup this last weekend. They're probably going to win the uh, the Champions League this weekend. And if they don't, you know, then, uh, I mean, they're trying to buy the, the Middle Eastern oil funds are trying to buy Manchester United. They own PSG. Uh, they own a, a lot of teams in European soccer. And it makes it less fun to watch. I mean, it's just undeniable. Soccer is less fun because of the involvement of these massive state-owned wealth funds yeah it's i mean it's challenging because i mean you're talking sort of about petroleum economics at that point and and like what do you want the saudis to do they have all these dollars you know they sell us oil commodities they get paid in dollars sort of petroleum dollar it's where the petrodollar and everything comes from um what are they supposed to do with their money they got it i mean i'm not back. i'm not saying i'm not saying that i think it is the saudi arabians fault per se oh, no, right? but it just yeah, sucks yeah no I, I mean i'm just pointing out like the economics of the saudis take all this money out of our country via commodities you know importing oil and what are they supposed to do with it they, they got to spend it on something they can't just leave it in the bank where it gets no interest so they buy five percent of this company five percent of this company if they buy this bank they buy this building you know well you can only own so many office buildings you can only own so many banks you could you know they they own credit suites or whatever they were a big 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 investor in that deal that just went down with hsbc a company they own so much stuff it's you literally cannot comprehend the amount of stuff they own with our money um 
crazy, but that's the thing. I think like I've, I've made this point several times. I, I just don't understand people who want to hold golfers to higher standards from taking money from the Saudis than like retired U S military generals who consult for them. I mean, like we talked about them doing you know, massive human rights violations. So why doesn't, why doesn't that, that preclude uh, U S former U S military generals from, from advising their, their army. No one cares about that. No one cares about Raytheon and, and Boeing, like you said, selling them tons of weapons. No one, no one cares, but they care about golfers. Like that thing is always crazy to me. And I've, I've always, it's contended. because people only, people only care about what's put in their face and no one wants to advertise that, that Raytheon and Boeing are selling our, our weapons to us and to the Saudis. I contend though, if you don't like the Saudis, you should take their money. You should take more of their money because you could take that money and do something good with it. You could take the Saudis money and start a, a group against the Saudis. You know, you could start a, a, a grassroots organization to stop Saudi investment in the U.S. with their own money. It won't do anything, but you could take their money and donate it to whatever cause you want and do something positive with it. I'm, I'm not saying any of the, the, the live golfers do that, but if you truly don't like Saudi Arabia, you're better off taking their money and doing something positive with it because not taking their money doesn't do anything. They still have essentially infinite money and they're just going to give it to somebody else. Like I've never understood so much of this sports washing argument. These guys are just going around the world playing golf, whether they're doing it for the PGA or live, you know, doesn't really make a difference who signs well, it's, it's an even that's an even bigger societal thing of like treating athletes like heroes and idols and and role models where where they're like uniquely not suited to be those things exactly. they're not rocket scientists most of these guys aren't aren't geniuses we shouldn't be looking to them for you know moral compasses and what's the right thing to do to begin with i've always always sort of believed that too but it's just a crazy every the 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 people who kind of have, have spent the last year, the last two years constantly shitting on live look very dumb today. I think um, they said this would never I, happen. You know, I, I want to, I want to push back on that a little bit because I get, I get why people hated the live tour. I get why people hate, like, it's, it's like, I'm not going to like anyone who was like, I'll never watch the live tour or like, it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, they tried to destabilize like a fucking awesome thing that we liked, which is professional golf. And that it also, it's just like an unfortunate thing to have to grapple was with. It, was it really that like, like did it, did it deserve to be destabilized? I mean, I'm, I'm generally very pro worker and I think Phil Mickelson's done a lot to raise the salaries for, you know, the independent contractors on the tour these, these last two years, he's pointed out a lot of, reasonable things about how much money the PGA makes and how much the players make. And this, this is essentially the labor argument in all sports is what percentage of the pot should the players get and what percent of the, the, the pot should management and owners get. And, you know, in, in the regard that, that Phil has accelerated the, the players share of the money, he's, he's done very good for, for, you know, them in, in that regard, he had to sacrifice himself and his career and his reputation. And again, in many regards, Phil was kind of a piece of shit to begin with. So, you know, it, it worked out for him, but you know, th this is a very complex and interesting situation that we get to kind of see play out in real time and very unexpected. So like, I, I don't have all the answers um, myself. I'm, I'm just kind of catching up on all the information as everyone else is. But it's it's just fascinating to see play out. I'm I'm very interested in this meeting that what the PGA players are going to say 
to well they're going to be pissed especially the guys who didn't get checks or especially the guys who could have got checks and turned it down i mean they should they should be the, the, he should resign but if, if yes. moynihan doesn't resign by the end of today like that tells you all you need to know about what he thinks of himself you know and his position he, in the he, golf world he fucked over his athletes no if somebody no, hit no him in the head it. with a golf club today like it wouldn't it, it wouldn't shock me you know what i mean he he took a lot of money out of people's pockets and then took the same money took it's, took the money in the end took the same money it's I, 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 I can't imagine there are a lot of very happy golfers right now, you know, once, once they start kind of digging through the numbers and figuring out what's going on, I think there's going to be some very angry, angry people in, in Canada this week. And they, I mean, deser- deservedly so. I mean, imagine if you sat in Jay Moynihan's office and you're Ricky Fowler or you're Colin Morikawa and he's like, look guys, we're going to figure this out. I'll get you guys more money available via these elevated events. We'll figure it out. You won't have to take the blood money. And then he takes the blood money and is like, uh, LOL, you know, we'll figure it out later. We'll, we'll, we'll agree this deal with the Saudis and then we'll figure it out later. You know, I mean, it's insane. It's insane. If, if someone did that to you, you would be, you'd be apoplectic. You'd be so mad. And they were completely blindsided, like you said. They had no idea it was coming. Like the the players, what I've noticed so far is that no no none of the players are willing to comment on the record at the course today. You know, they're having this meeting coming up, but nobody's gone on the record with any any of the journalists that were there to say anything. The only guys we've seen stuff from are dudes who have popped off on Twitter saying, "I don't appreciate being you know informed of a merger." via social media you know or calling morikawa saying i just found out about it too you know or i saw joel damon said i i grew up you know loving the four aces maybe i could play with them now on the that was a he, fr- friend of the show joel damon has been on this podcast before yeah maybe he's a nice he, maybe he's he a great guy again. i'm just saying that the guys who have gone on the record have have gone on the record with very frank comments via social media whereas everybody else is declining to speak on camera at the moment, I think it is a little telling of, of the, the rank and files sort of reaction to this is I, I can't, I can't imagine Jay Moynihan is go, going to have a fun day or fun afternoon standing in front of his membership and having to and he shouldn't. explain this. He shouldn't, it should be his last day on the job. There's, there's no, no reasonable organization would, would allow this commissioner to continue to represent them. Yeah, he he did. He failed them. All right, let's get back. Let's get back to the golf. One thing they did say in in this post is that they want to grow team golf going forward in the joint PGA Tour live, uh, you know, uh, announcement or whatever. Is there I mean, is there any way to make this something that is not fucking cringe beyond belief? Is there any way for it to work? None. I've, I've like I said, I've watched more live than most people. And the team aspect, like I, I personally, I don't mind the shotgun start. Like, see, I hate that. If that's if that's every PGA Tour event, that's going to be lame for me too. They they're not going to do it. But I'm saying I don't mind the shotgun start because it puts everybody on the course at the same time. It, it speeds up the you know you're not seeing guys like like on the West Coast. If we have an East Coast event, I'll get up at like 6 a.m. and there's guys teeing off, and there's yeah. still guys teeing off at noon. You know, like yes. it's a long day of of getting everybody on and through the course. 
at least sure. with the shotgun start, you know, you get everyone on and going, you get the scores moving. It's fun for betting. It's a little more complicated trying to figure out who's got what hole to play and, you know, stuff like that. But um, the team stuff, I thought the shotgun start was fine. The team stuff though was awful. Cannot sell it to me, to anybody, even the announcers don't. And, and they, they try, you know, they're trying to tell you what teams in the lead. I don't give a shit if the, the four aces are winning the tournament or the four locos are winning the tournament, you know, who cares? Even you can bet on it. I don't care. I don't think anybody cares about team golf. There's never going to be a market for team golf. You're never going to root for the four aces or the fire sticks or whatever they're called. You know, no one cares. Never. It's not changing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a team event, but they have to play as a team. You know, it the has only... to be, it's got to Go be. Go on what you're saying? Well, it's got to be like, you know, Brooks and DJ and Sergio and Matthew Wolf or something. You know, they play a four-man scramble and we have like team shooting in the 40s or whatever. You want to do like one event a year where you make your own team? Sure. Like we have sure. the Zurich Classic. It's garbage. Yeah. It's one of the yes. worst events. It is really bad. But what I like, and I hope they continue this, and was one of the things I like about the, the Euro Tour, the DP World Tour, is DP World Tour at least does some you know, unconventional events. They play in interesting places, but like this week, it's the Scandinavian mixed. It's men and women playing on the same course at the same time. I like I don't that. Know if, that seems what? cool. Yeah, that seems cool. cool. A woman won it last year too. Lynn Grant won. She, she beat Dude, all the Lynn Grant year. is Lynn Grant. I mean, if, any, if you guys have not seen her swing, that's honestly, that's whose swing I watch to try and mimic. Cause I am not obviously as powerful as these dudes who can hit it 350 yards. Lynn Grant has one of the best swings I've ever seen. She is so good. But golf, golf certainly has the ability to be more innovative, but what I want to see innovation wise is more stuff like the Scandinavian mix where we see, you know, LPGA there, there's good players on the LPGA, you know, nobody tell me, nobody wants to see Lydia Ko and Rose Zhang, you know, tee off with the best players on the PGA tour. Like, do that once a year. People will watch it. Don't have to do it every week, but do it once a year. People will watch it. There's a lot of room. For I would, I actually, that's actually a great thing. I would love if women's golf got more coverage, more chatter, more whatever as a result of, um, as a result of this. Cause I think uh, there are some women's sports that translate really well to televised sport and some that don't like, to me, women's soccer, great television product. Uh, it's it's much it's like much more tactical. It's really interesting. Women's basketball, it just on TV, it's just not as good. Uh, it's not which is not to say that I don't like. I'll never watch women's basketball, but to me, it's just not quite as interesting as men's. But women's golf, uh, still good, still a good television product. Like it, it, and they didn't mention anything about the LPGA on here, but I I would be interested to see what like a more intense marketing focus on the lpga was like because like you said we just want shit to bet on to some extent and i would love more markets for women's golf betting that would be awesome i'd love more golf you know more golf is always better but i don't want tiger woods and rory playing mini golf on monday night no no, you know, no i never thought no. that idea was tenable to begin with i thought that was a foolish sort of way to sell a crappy tv product that was clearly solely being done for money not not because it's interesting or good you know like like this was clearly a stupid money grab and i think uh, this is probably another reason that kind of forced the merger is i don't think anyone was really buying into this you know 
we talked we we talked about it. They they were they were pushing it at the Masters. I don't think anyone's really buying into this idea. It wasn't a really good idea to begin with. A Monday night, you know, golf not mini golf. I know I'm calling it mini golf, but whatever it was, it was just a foolish sort of proposition. Um, but there's so much room for innovation in golf, you know, with women's golf, with the European tour, there's just so many courses and events that you can play and make it interesting and make it bettable. Um, this, I think long-term, you know, the, 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 you talk about sports washing and Saudi human rights and stuff. And those are very serious issues that, that cannot be kind of solved easily. But in terms of what this means for the golf world, I think it is beneficial for the golf world long term, you know, having the best players under the same roof competing against each other. What it means for, you know, monopolies and monopolistic practices and, you know, the implications for the Saudis getting into to U.S. sports ownership. Again, these are all massive conversations that are all, you know, distinct to the, themselves. It's not like, like I don't have an answer for any of them, let alone one of them. But I do think long term this in, is incredibly beneficial to, to not have Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith and Brooks Kepka, you know, playing on a, a, a exhibition tour, essentially. You know, one thing I'm thinking of if Monaghan, I really hope he doesn't do this, but like he could try and save face in this whole deal. Now that the live tour doesn't exist basically, and try and like levy huge fines on the, to reapply for membership. Cause you know, technically these guys don't have PGA tour cards anymore. Right. Dustin. I mean, you know, uh, Taylor Gooch doesn't, you have gotta a assume this was all worked out before, right? Like, you, you, like... I, you assume, but who knows? Right. Cause we have so little details right now. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's, it's also possible that they just say to these guys, look, you got paid all this money, take your money, go away. No, I but I, I see, I would hate that. I would really I hate think, that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, you know, obviously getting, Bryson and, and DJ back into the PGA fold and having them tee offers John Rahm and Scott Scheffler and Morikawa in the top of the fields. That's what everyone wants. That's what we're here for is to see the best players competing against the best players as often as possible. But yeah, I mean, like, like you said, the, the, the implications and, and the, the, the unknowns are, are so fascinating here. I mean, nobody expected this deal to be happening today and, here we are, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of very disappointed people inside the PGA Tour when they find out what this means for them, you know, in relation to their status. Because remember, also, this means there's 40 players coming back, 40, 48 guys on the Live Tour. It's 48 spots in, in both PGA and, and, and the DP World Tour. It means 48 guys are getting bumped down. You know? Yeah, Joseph, Joseph Bramblett just took a huge L today. Yeah, you know, and again, I'm I'm not losing much sleep over Joseph Bramlett being left out of a, a PGA field personally, but you know, I I do feel for them. I mean, these are their careers. This is, you know, it does suck to to be on the wrong end of of a, a merger like this. And you know, there's there's going to be a lot of guys who're going to get burned, and there's going to be a lot of guys who have made, you know, like Dean Dean Burmester or whatever. What did he get for jumping to, to live? You know, five million. 10 yeah. million, whatever he got. He played two events, three events. Now he's going to go back and get his PGA tour card. Like that's a win. It's a huge win. It's, you know, sets, sets you up for life almost, you know, make, making a huge score, get your tour card back. You know, there, there's a lot of winners. There's gonna be a lot of winners here. There's gonna be a lot of losers. Um, I think the losers are going to lose 
a lot more than the winners. I think the winners are coming out way ahead in this deal when, when all is said and done. But when you factor in the, the money they got from Liv over the last two years. It'll just, I mean, you know, could, could the PGA Tour offer bonuses to guys who stayed, you know, to try and equal the playing field? Like, I don't think you can rule anything out like that because these guys are going to be so mad. Like, I think they're... But they're where are they going to go now? Where, where you can't go... You're fine. I'm going to go play on the Euro tour. We own well, the Euro tour. So that's, that's the, um, the, the big thing at the, all of this is that let's say you are like an, uh, a principled person and you're like, I'm, I don't want to take the Saudi money, whatever, for whatever reason you, you, you cannot be a professional golfer anymore. Basically you got to do yeah, what are you going to do. I mean, especially, I, I don't know if anybody has, has particularly like gone on the record and said, I will not ever, you know, cash a check from the Saudis. But if, if you kind of, put I think, yourself I think in that some, position. some guys did, right. There were, there was like the, this executive guy, this guy, Jimmy Dunn was like, yeah. Oh, you know, my, 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 like, I think he said he had like a family member die in nine 11. He's like, I'll never take Saudi money. And he's like on this, the board of directors for this or whatever. Yeah, I saw a tweet. He's like hanging out with the Saudis at a golf course with Tom Brady today. So, yeah, you know, that's the thing is, is you, you, you say these things, but, but when, when they actually happen, a lot of people aren't, aren't willing to give up the paychecks or you know so it's it's gonna be interesting like i said there's a lot of implications we don't have any clue how it's going to be handled yet but you know um i'm i'm very very excited for this meeting that's going to be getting underway soon i i want to I, I wish one of the players would would be so kind as to just leave their phone on a twitter space and open it up for us but i don't think we'll get that lucky unfortunately but but it's 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 crazy like this is this is we're, we're so in the beginning of this. We don't know what's happening yet still for the most part, other than, you know, what we've seen on social media, but my it's... number, my number one request of this new PGA tour, new perfect. We cannot have 54 hole. No cut. Cannot oh, have please. It. No. Yeah. That's no for the senior events. tour. If we get, if we get 54 holes, no cuts, they might, I, I will be lost. I, I'm well, definitely not tuning into the RBC Canadian open for 54 holes, no cut. I don't think that's happening, but I think, I think 54 hole, no cut stuff is, is better suited for the, the senior tour, which sure. you know, actually, I think we're, we're like two years away from seeing tiger tee up on the, the senior tour and basically being like minus 120 versus the whole field. I'm, I'm very excited for that in the, in the near future. I don't know. Do you follow the senior tour ever? Like do you bet on it? Yeah, I bet on it. I've watched it. They play an event. I live in St. Louis. They play an event here, the Ascension Classic or whatever. I think I'm going to go this year. Furyk, Furyk plays here. It's fun because there's there's like a, a, a top-tier group of guys that usually win most of the events. Like, it's a small group. But like, Steve yeah, Stricker uh, is like two to one versus the whole field. I was going to say, like, Stricker, Stricker and Bernie Langer are just like, they kill everybody, right? Yeah, but Tiger Woods, he's he's like two years away from being eligible for the senior tour. You get to drive around on a golf cart there. I'm pretty sure we're going to see Tiger on the, the senior tour sooner than later. I'm excited think, to see him. Do you him. think he'll play the senior tour? Yeah, because he can't hold up for four rounds anymore. He just physically cannot walk a golf course four days in a row. Like, his his leg is done. But I think being able to use a golf cart for three days on, on the champions tour might be slightly more his speed, especially with the talent, you know, you play in Ernie Els and Patrick Harrington, you know, it's a little, little more, you know, you, you might not have to go 110% like you would if you're Tiger Woods playing the masters. But I think it's, I, I think that's the most, 
viable landing spot for Tiger with his health at this point. Because it was, it was never realistic for him to jump to the to live with all his money, you know. But he still wants to play golf, so I think we see him on the championship. I wonder. Like, I wonder if Tiger. I, I just because we're you know we're gonna need to get a statement from him to some degree. I, I was that, again. Nobody's made a statement yet. That's that isn't that telling that none of these players have put out any statements yet. Well, I'm sure I'm sure they're all talking to their agents and their lawyers, being like, "How do we how do we get the most money out of this? How do we how do we squeeze the most?" Because realistically, the Saudis could afford to pay every guy who has a PGA Tour card fifty million dollars, right? I mean, honestly, like, and it re- I don't even think they would break a sweat doing this. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's again, like, I think. A lot of the stuff when it comes to Saudis and money is like you said, the, the investment funds like 1.7 trillion people have a, a hard time wrapping their head around a lot of these numbers when they get bigger and bigger scale. The, the Saudis, for all intents and purposes, have what you can call infinite money, like their money. They have so much money that their money makes money, uh, you know, like one percent interest on a trillion dollars is a lot. It's a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like it just keeps keeps growing and as long as they have oil that they have to sell to us that we need for our everyday lives they're just gonna get more money it just it it, it the scale of of the money that they have it is most people cannot even conceive it and that's that sort of bogs people down in the they can't pay all this money they don't have it well yes they actually do have infinite money they they could buy anything they want there's nothing in the world they Saudis bought the fucking afford. PGA tour, man. They looked at the PGA tour and they were like, I would like to buy that. And it took two years, but they two they years. Did it. That's all it took to break down. You know, it took two years and the threat of some antitrust litigation and opening the books to force them into a merger. You know, they, they are very powerful and it's, it's not just way golf, more powerful, way, way more powerful than any government way more powerful than China. Well, I guess similar power to China, but China doesn't give a shit about owning the PGA tour. No, they they don't seem, I mean, China, I mean, China wants to be involved in sports as well. Like if you look at China and the NBA, I mean, China expects the NBA to essentially put a a, a basketball team in China sooner than later in infrastructure wise, China's not there yet. Like the, the growth of the middle class in China has not necessarily caught up to you know, stadiums with NBA teams. It's, this it's is a, this there. is a new talking point that people, I, I was not even aware of this subcurrent talking point that people are like trying to actually population wise, it's like kind of fucked right now. They don't have their population is not growing enough. It, uh, what do you mean? Their population is not growing. I mean, cause they can't grow anymore. Or? No, no. I, so I've heard this. I, I have not done any of my own research. This is all, you know, in, in like fucking like Bitcoin subreddits and stuff, but just the idea, the idea that the, the actual physical number of Chinese people is not growing at a rapid enough rate to support what they want to do economically. Well, one of the things is that like, you know, car ownership, like if you look at like middle-class car ownership in China versus like the U S like, it's just not there yet. You can't have NBA sized arenas with, you know, a middle-class that, that owns bicycles. You know, you gotta, you gotta get the middle class into owning cars and two family cars then you could get an nba team in shanghai you know it's coming you know the nba will you know the the nba and the nfl both have plans for global expansion you've seen it 
with the NFL going to Germany and London and, um, you know, the NBA is more focused on China, but they're also focused on the Middle East. They had uh, games in Dubai and in the United Arab Emirates and Abu Dhabi. And wasn't it regular season games this year? Or what do you, do you remember? Was it preseason they, they or regular had reg- season? They had regular season in Abu Germany. Dhabi, I think. No, the I want to say played. There, there was overseas NBA games this year. I don't remember where. Overseas. Yeah, they did London, but they also yeah. they might have done preseason. It might have been a preseason Bucks game in Abu Dhabi. I just remember because they I did a over. they did a they did a Paris game, they did a Japan game, and they did uh, the Abu Dhabi game was preseason. Yeah, I remember because I bet the over in that game for for some. I had some. Well, they're traveling. They're not going to play defense in a preseason game or something but i mean global what are you saying it was it was october 5th the the mavericks and the timberwolves played in abu dhabi yeah i think it flew over too right like Uh, i don't have i don't have the box score but i wouldn't be surprised with carl anthony towns and uh luka Doncic involved if if the over soared but global global expansions come in to to all the major sports you're you're gonna see it and i mean that's it's the thing like you're not we're not there yet you're not gonna see like an NFL team in Saudi Arabia in five years. But if you notice like, the but Saudis- you might see, you might see the, the, the PIF owning. And I, I said, I said earlier, I think within three years, a, the Saudi uh, fund or the Qataris, you know, we haven't talked about the Qataris, but it's similar vibes, them owning an American sports franchise. Absolutely. And I mean, you, like I said, you might not see a, a, a team there, but you'll certainly see games there preseason, regular season, yeah. Um, it's very, I mean, all this stuff is, it's, it's incredibly interesting to me where, where all this stuff is going. Um, I'm, like I said, I, I enjoy, I enjoy it on a betting level. I enjoy golf on the golf level. I like watching golf, but I'm also interested in the, the financial and, you know, management details of all of this. It's, it's, it's just such a fascinating deal on every level. Um, there's so much, I mean, like, like I said, I, I think we all expected there was going to be a merger sooner than later, but, but this early and, and like this is a, a sort of a shock, especially right before the U.S. Open's coming here next week, which I'm excited about. I was going to go check that out for a day, too. I sort of, honestly, I sort of just thought the it, people would just get bored and the, and, and the Saudis would be like, all right, we're done pouring money into this. It's not working. Because the TV ratings, like no one cares about Liv. I did, I did read some stuff that from year one to year two for Liv, that there was more, um, like the first year, nobody cared what they spent. Basically, like it was just okay, spend it, spend. And then year two, they were like, we're losing. Yeah, (laughs) more more attention to budget and you know, hey, we're not we're not doing this. I mean, everyone's everyone's already made this comparison but this is dunder mifflin buying the michael scott paper company right yeah, like it's really much. what it is it's it's basically it's the michael scott paper company is the the live tour that's like i'll go into i will destroy all these resources that are important to you in order to get because it doesn't matter to me and and dunder mifflin coming in and being like well actually we care about uh the products and we care about continuing to exist so like let's figure out a deal yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though, is it paints the PGA too much as the good guys. Like, they care about the money. They, they, yeah. they, have, they have a monopoly here. And I think in the end, they realize letting the Saudis in on their monopoly 
while getting them to fund it was a better deal than continuing to fight them, you know, on antitrust grounds and going through more litigation and discovery and losing more players. Cause remember live, live isn't, isn't, isn't stopping. They're continuing to grow. They're talking about relegation events and promotion events and, and, you know, qualifying, um, they, they have more plans to, to, you know, get players the opportunity to get into live. You know, it's not a, it's not a fixed roster. They're expecting like 20% turnover year over year in live going forward. So, you know, you're, you're essentially saying you're going to have like 20% spots open in this millionaires league where you can make all this money. Eventually players are going to take it, you know, like, I think that was another risk that the PGA realized that they're not going to stop recruiting. You know, every every event, somebody wins. You know, Victor Hovland wins last week. Calm up. We'll give you two hundred million dollars now. You know, sooner or later, these guys are going to say yes. And every every defection hurts more than the last one. You know, Dustin Johnson hurt, but Cam Smith hurt even more. You know, and it, at a certain point, you lose too much talent. You, you this was this was the only thing that that they could do, and they did it while taking the Saudis' money. I think when you look at it in that regard, they probably did a good job. When you look at it sort of from the PR perspective of everything they've said over the past year and how they've treated these players, I think this is a disaster. So, you know, like I said, I have no idea how it plays out. I do think, you know, one of the things I've, I've, I've talked a lot about, I think Rory has kind of ended up being the face of this because he's, he's gone on the record the most with the reporters talking about live and really being anti-live and you know i don't want sergio garcia on the the Ryder cup team sort of like nobody asked you it you know like you're just kind of throwing the guy under the bus like it's just kind of well he's the one who's gonna have to eat it because his options are either uh his options are either uh take take the money or quit professional golfing yeah so that's what i'm saying is now he's in this position where all these guys he's spent the last two years shitting on his friends now they all got to go back in the same locker room like is I, I, in my head, I, I see it being a problem, but I think the reality is like the money kind of probably smooths over a lot of the animosity, but it's still a shitty situation for Rory. I mean, got to look those guys in the face, knowing that you've publicly shit on them for the last two years, every chance you got, you know, and now you have to sit next to them in the locker room and how's your kids? How's it? You know, like is he did, be some animosity there. He did say something nice about Brooks after the, he was like, he was like, you know, it's, it's good. It's good to see these guys compete. So I think maybe, maybe behind closed doors, it wasn't as, uh, as, as, but he did that because he had to, he had to, because sure. Brooks won Had Brooks yeah. not won. He would have said, fuck that guy. Let him go back to live, you know, get him out of here. It's because yeah. they won. I mean, just a yeah. great, a great life lesson we learned though, which is that if a really powerful entity offers you uh, a contract with tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, just sign the contract and then ask questions later. No, the moral is don't listen to management. Don't trust management. They fucking lied to the, their independent yeah, contractors. That's an straight even up better, that's an lied even to their answer. fucking faces. They straight yeah. up told them we'll take care of you. And then took this, uh, like, again, I, I'm going back to something I already said, but they took the same money from the Saudis that they told their members not to take like that is so shitty i can't you know i can't emphasize this enough that jay moynihan might get tarred and feathered today 
Like he deserves whatever happens to him when he walks into that room with those members because he fucked them over. You know, it's 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 very uncool to do something like that. And people say, oh, it's just business. It's just this. You fucked over a lot of people, Jay Moynihan. You know, you get to deal with it now. I'm I'm you know, I'm glad I don't have any any stake in this because it's a it's not gonna be a fun day for him. But but the, the lesson here is do not trust management when they tell you they're going to take care of you. They're going to take care of themselves, you know, and they're going to fuck you over. That's, that's, that's what everyone should take away from this. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of PGA card holders who are about to get fucked over because they listen to management. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, you got anything you want to promote here on, uh, on the show before we head out? I'm on, uh, I'm on VEASAN with, with Gil, usually once or twice a week on a numbers game. I'm on uh, BetUS TV Tuesday to Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's at 9 a.m. And I do a pod with Unabated right now with uh, Tommy Viola, where we, we talk about baseball. So you can find me Twitter. Twitter is the easiest place to find me, but I'm, I'm on some sort of show almost every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So you like baseball i talk a lot about baseball um you know i always try to talk about interesting things it's what i tell what i talk about on all my shows is that like you never really know when and where the big opportunities are going to come from like i didn't expect to have a huge bet on rose zang last week it just kind of happened like i'd actually totally slipped my mind i saw she turned pro i was like oh shit i gotta bet that then i forgot it and i was like i gotta bet this live like this is the this is the spot you know like she's not gonna be 10 to 1, 15 to 1, 20 to 1 again. She's it's gonna be a favorite every week going forward. So like had to take the spot, but you never know if it's gonna be USFL or a baseball game or what it's gonna be, but there's just so many spots with gambling right now to find you know value. So I'm always always looking for stuff. You never know what it's gonna be. Like one week I want a bunch of money on the live tour. So like I always have fond memories of live because I'm one money on it, but you know. So that's yeah, I, what just I, got kept, I just kept betting Bryson at, uh, at more and more descending numbers and then not I had Bryson so. this last event at 22 to one to what the Tulsa event. Was that the last one? Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. I had like 22 to one on Bryson. I thought that was a good bet, but yeah, I thought, you know, and I think one of the other things just real quick with live is they did some good stuff with their international events. You know, they, they had big, big crowds at some of some of the international stuff. So sort of a big split between international and U S golf also going on but this is good for golf overall going forward good for definitely good for good televised golf everyone follow at spreadopedia on twitter and i will be back next week see you guys then bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. 
Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.